Alan Border joins today's splash as we address an abundance of headlines across the short and long forms of cricket, including fallout from Sunday's BBL final. It's Tuesday, the 6th of February. It's time for your daily dose of Sporting Agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor. Thanks for listening to this Tuesday edition. We're joined by cricket journalist Jacob Karoop as well. Welcome in, sir. Hi, Phil. Good to be here. Good to be here indeed. Plenty of uh, headlines, as I alluded to, off the top. Uh, We're going to talk some Shield, Sheffield Shield, a bit later in the program. That kicks off Thursday. Uh, There's an international T20 tomorrow as well with Australia and England in Hobart. there's a bit of there's some news coming out of the South African Test team, which we'll talk to, uh, which we'll talk about soon with Alan Border as well. Um, plus, uh, what happened on Sunday in the BBL final? Of course, yesterday's edition of the Splash was purely Super Bowl NFL focused, so we we didn't even update our listeners um, with what happened there. Uh, of course, Adelaide. Getting the job done in the final, Jacob. Did you enjoy this game? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it, was a, it was. It was quite entertaining from from the get go. With Jake Weverell, you know, making history with the first century in BBL final history, and then yeah. um, you know Darcy Short producing the goods again for Hobart, but not quite getting them over the line. Um, it, was, it was a good match, and it was a good finish to what's been a good tournament. Yeah, indeed, history uh, in finals across the the NFL and the BBL finals in back to back days. It was a uh, yeah, it was quite a couple of days for sports uh, lovers out there. Uh, then, of course, there was the the issue of Matthew Wade being um, slipped down the the batting order as Hobart looked to chase down that mammoth two o two total, and that's what we're going to have a bit of a chat about today as well. But let's welcome in Alan Border. Welcome to the Splash Podcast, Alan Border. Ah, thanks for having me. I hear you're down in um, Melbourne at the MCG, but this time as a <laughs> as a spectator and nothing more. That's right. Yeah, can't can't stay away from uh, cricket, can I? Um, well, my my eldest son uh, lives and works in uh, Singapore these days, and he's involved with the Singapore Cricket Club, and they go on these uh, tours, um, and uh, they've got got an affiliation with the Melbourne Cricket Club. So, um, we're myself and my wife Jane. Uh, down here for a couple of days, catching up with him, but also yeah. you know, a chance to watch um, a bit of cricket and watch my young father. Boy, as a proud father, watching him, <laughs> he's actually captain today. So, um, but just watching his field placings, you know, he, he hasn't learned a lot from the old man. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, what's he? What's he uh, getting wrong out there? What, what's your, your take from the stands? Yeah, they're getting clattered around a bit. There's a, a good young group of blokes playing for the Melbourne Cricket Club and. Uh, you know, beautiful day here down in Melbourne and, uh, you know, the MCG, fast outfield, good track, so they're getting clattered around a bit, so <laughs> not much the captain can do. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Hey, uh, AB, did you um, uh, tune into the Big Bash final on Sunday between, uh, of course, the Strikers and Hurricanes? I did, yes. Um, I'm a keen watcher of, uh, well, all cricket, but uh, the Big Bash has been fantastic once again this year, so, yeah, tuned in for the final. The Brisbane Heat, your your team, they they've they haven't enjoyed much success in the in the Big Bash uh, so far. Well, we've we've won one title um, a few years ago now, but um, it's better than uh, some of the uh, franchises. So that's true. Uh, that that's what we um, hang our hat on. But um, 
Yeah, disappointing season from the Heat. You know, they, they started off very, very well and were in finals contention there and lost their last five games. So you can't do that. And, yeah, uh, yeah it was just uh, you know, a disappointing finish because yeah, they really only had to win one of those games and they would have been, you know, in the hunt. But, um, yeah, so a bit of a rethink. Like all the franchises will go through that post-mortem, won't they, and, and talk about what they need to do for the next summer, especially the sides that didn't do very well, like uh, the Heat and the, the Sixers and a few, few of the sides. So, yeah, it's a never-ending process, but the, the competition keeps getting better and better. Yeah, blink and you miss it. it you, yeah, you... You just take your, your foot off the pedal for a moment and you're out of the out of contention. Um, yeah. In in Sunday's game, AB, there was a bit of a, a talking point that I wanted to to raise with you as a, as a former selector and and Mark War, um, of course, current Australian selector, was in the commentary box, um, and he. So we we watched Matthew Wade sitting on the down in in the dugout with the Hurricanes lineup as their you know, attempting to chase down this mammoth uh, strikers total of 202. And then all yeah. of a sudden he disappears and you see his gear just sitting there on the ground. Um, and it comes out a bit later that his, uh, George Bailey said it was just a little bit about left-right combinations, essentially. There's a short boundary yeah. here. Uh, he was sort of the next in line for Darcy Short as... Um, as a left-hander coming in. But this, of course, coming yeah. off his 71 from 45 balls over in Perth, uh, opening the batting. He comes in at six this time. He makes a diamond duck. He looked filthy with the whole situation. <laughs> um, and I vividly remember when, when the the shot went down to Matthew Wade after he'd been run out, uh, he obviously looked filthy. And, and Mark Hoare said, Something along the lines of, yeah, this whole combination left-right thing is getting a little bit out of hand. Um, yeah. It, what, what's your take on on that as a, a sort of a, a selection or batting order criteria? Yeah. Well, look, um, look, it has got some substance uh, when you when you analyse it. Um, you know, having a, a left and right hand combination at the crease because the, the bowler has to adjust his line all the time if he can keep uh, rotating the strike. Uh, the captain has to. Uh, changes fields obviously and then and then you can make use uh, potentially of a, a short boundary if, if that's on offer at any ground so look i, I get the uh the tactical um uh, thoughts that went into that um but in saying that you've got a guy who's just come off um you know 70 odd in the in the semi-final basically to get you into the the final and um, you know he gets probably wasted a little bit batting at six and seven. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes those sort of tactical uh, manoeuvres work, and sometimes they don't. And 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 it just didn't work for the Hurricanes the other day. Um, and I get what Mark Waugh, um is alluding to in the fact that you know if your two best players are right-handers or left-handers, you know, you, you, uh, for the situation, well, you know, the left-right combination surely as a batsman you can adjust what you need to do depending on the, the bowler that you're facing at the time. So, yeah, so that, that's what Mark was saying is that, you know, have, always trying to have a left and right hander together at the crease um, in theory might work, but, um, you know, in practice the, the player should be able to adjust, you know, to to the various circumstances put in front of them. Hey, um, you, you obviously captained Australia for a long time. Did you ever have a decision, did you ever make a decision, you know, similar to this which backfired with the batting order? Um, 
I, 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 I probably did, but I, you know, I've probably erased it from the memory bank. <laughs> but um, I, I suppose the only times I, uh, I don't recall doing that. I mean, I, I did send in a pinch hitter um, during the World Cup in in '87, and uh, you know, McDermott was was sent in to just basically go hell for leather, and that hadn't been done very often before i don't think uh, when you think back to 1987 yeah. it was a pretty radical move um but in essence um craig got i think he only made 14 but he made it in seven balls so that you know it was a bit of a momentum shift uh for us um and then you, you know just carried on with the normal batting lineup from from there on but i, I can't even remember thinking oh you know, we've got a short boundary one side of the ground. We need a left and right hander together, so I, I changed the order accordingly. Um, yeah, it seems like a newer philosophy. Yeah, well, it's it's the the, the new game. You know, twenty twenty cricket uh, is, is people are trying to find those little one one percenters, aren't they? Because yeah. as you said, the game changes so quickly. You know, the blink of the eye, and, and you know, it can take one over, and you know, of eighteen or twenty, and all of a sudden the game changes totally. So. I get where the captain's always trying to find those, just those little moments that you win. Um, you know, like, what's his name? Payne might have uh, gone out there as a substitute and hit, you know, 15, 20 runs off that first over, and all of a sudden you've got that huge momentum change uh, when you're chasing a big total. So I sort of, I get I get it, but, um, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it didn't work on the day, that's for sure. Yeah, AB, ultimately, I think if my take would be that uh, if it if it so happens that it that it becomes a left right down the order situation, great. That's very yep. handy. But put your best batsman out there, and you know, and, yep. and build your lineup that way, right? Yeah, def- definitely. Yeah, good. well, that, that that would be my preferred option. You know, sometimes you can overthink these things. Yeah, and you get a bit too funky with uh, you know everything you do. You know, field placings and batting orders and people trying to reverse sweep and doing all sorts of fancy things rather than just playing the basics really well and, um, you know, going about the, the contest in that fashion. It sometimes that works a lot better. You know, the Perth Scorchers are a good example. You know, they, they've got a you know, real basic way of playing the game yeah. and uh, they've been very successful and they don't, you know, they're not so, they're not rigid with what they do. Sometimes you've got to be a bit flexible, but it's a pretty good formula that served them well, you know, throughout most of the, the years of Big Bash. Yeah. Um, AB, what did you make of Peter Siddle's performance this in, entire summer? No, never really looked at it as a T20 bowler. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've been very impressed. You know, to be, to be quite honest, I was like probably everyone. I would have thought, you know, Peter Siddle, you know, bowling, you know, the pace he bowls, um, his style, you know, didn't really have, um, you know, all the all the toys that the bowlers have these days as far as slower balls and different variations. And uh, I thought he might get clattered around a little bit, but uh, he was a real surprise packet. Um, and I was impressed with his pace, actually. He, he got his pace through, you know, up and into the 140s at times, and he had some good variations. So he was, he was one of the, the, the picks of the year, really, wasn't he? Um, you know, you, there's probably half a dozen um, guys in front of him as far as, you know, the performances they put on from nowhere um, this year. But, uh, you know, Sid's did a great job. I was very impressed. Could it launch him into the selection frame for the upcoming test series in South Africa? Just seeing seeing him uh, produce those numbers, of course, you know, in a test arena, you've got to do it for a lot longer. But that's something that he's proved he can handle, of course, throughout his career. 
Oh, definitely. Oh, I think that um, he'd be there just in, in the selector's back pocket, you know what I mean? They, mm. they would um, be watching closely. I suppose if anyone goes down with any sort of injury, um, Sids would be an ideal uh, replacement because you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, he's going to bowl good solid lines and length. Um, he always turns up. So he's come back. Yeah, and, he, and you know he's a real goer. And on those wickets in South Africa that do offer a little bit to the seam bowls at times, um, yeah, he could be absolutely perfect for that, those conditions. So, yeah, certainly I wouldn't discount him as, as, um, being, you know, picked for, you know, the horse for the course, you know, he, he would bowl well in those conditions. So, yeah, he's worth looking at for sure. Would you be looking at a guy like Peter Siddles ahead of someone like Chad Sayers? Um, well, I think Chad Sayers has got the, the performances on the board, hasn't he? I was, I was surprised by his omission from the, you know, original touring team. Um, the, the explanation was, uh, fair enough. You know, they, they wanted someone with a bit more pace and, 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 uh, you know, Chad Sayers was, uh, in line and he was, uh, contesting his spot with, uh, Jackson Bird. So they went with, uh, Bird instead of Chad Sayers. But, um, Look, I think Chad's one of those guys that I'd be keeping my eye on very closely because he could do a good job in South Africa if called on to do that, but also for the Ashes next year. Now, I see him as a you know, a Terry Alderman type um, that was hugely successful in England uh, on, on a couple of Ashes occasions and, and you know, was, was brilliant, Terry Alderman. So if Chad Sayers could, I think he could do that sort of role um, you know, not, not blisteringly quick, but bowls, you know, swings the ball and stands the seam up and just eating, skidding sort of deliveries. I think he could do very well in England. So I'd be definitely penciling him in for a, a potential Ashes, uh, uh, spot, uh, obviously depending on how things, uh, you know, roll on uh, over the next 12, 18 months. AB, the Aussies have an, an abundance of, uh, fast bowlers to pick from. On the other side of the coin, we've seen this South African side in tatters a little bit. Quinton de Kock, it's now confirmed he's out with a bruised wrist for uh, about the next four weeks, which will overlap with the start of the test series over in South Africa. Faf Duplessis, Dale Stain, and AB de Villiers are also under injury clouds. Um, yeah. Th- it's starting to become... An, an issue heading into a, a series. How much of a um, of an interruption will this be for South Africa's preparation? Oh, huge! Uh, because uh, you're talking about you know, four quality performers there. Um, you know, Quinton de Kock, uh, a very very dangerous player. Um, what he brings to the table, you know, that the keeping he does a great job there. But the the batting side of the equation, he's very, very dangerous um, and he's been a bit of a thorn for Aussie sides in the past. So uh, that's a that's a huge blow. I hadn't sort of really caught up with that um, yeah. problem. And, and obviously the other guys, I mean, Davidias and Dale Stain, you know, how, how, how good are they? So, look, I, I, South Africa will, will, will pose some problems for us. They've got a very good uh, fast bowling uh, attack. You know, a couple of um, uh, guys that we haven't seen a lot of, Um you know, we know what Rabada brings to the table, but uh, I can't I can't think of the other guy's name, um Lungi or something. Lungi and um, Yeah, and Getty. He 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 looks really good to me. So um you know, they've got some fast bowling options there and um you know, with their, their batting lineup that they can produce. So the, the, it will be uh it's gonna be a really good series, but uh, you just hope that um some of those injuries um 
over the next little while sort of sort themselves out and uh, they can put their best side on the paddock, which will be, you know, make it a, you know even more special series. Um, AB, there's been a lot of talk about this Australian attack being the best in the world. Um, I guess the only real competition for that title is from South Africa. Which of the two attacks do you rate higher? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, our attack, uh, you know, one of the better ones we've had for, for a while, hasn't it? Um, mm. you know, very, very impressive uh, performers, uh, particularly in our conditions. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, to be, to be rated the best attack in the world, I think you've got to be doing it home and away. Uh, that would be my take on, on that, uh, if you want the, the, the number one crown. Uh, so this will be a good test for, for um, the Australian side. You know, if they can get on top of South Africa, in South Africa, you know, you, you, you're starting to deserve that um, mantle as number one or the or best we've had for a long time anyway. Um, mm. Fast bowling group or bowling attack generally, where you throw Nathan Lyon there, has done a great job. So, um, yeah, to me, you've got to, you've got to do home and away. So that, that will be the, the real test to whether they deserve that number one ranking. Yeah, that'll be a really uh, interesting storyline to follow. AB, we've already taken taken up too much of your time, but Fox Sports uh, <laughs> up here, we're right behind uh, Dino and the Singaporean team down there, and uh, and let's hope that Dino can uh, live up to the family name and uh, and score some <laughs> runs uh, in the next little while down on the MCG. Yeah, look, I'll, I must admit I'll be very very nervous when he walks out the bat, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange phenomenon that is, I mean you. Would, watching your kids perform, it's almost like you can't watch. I don't know how Jeff Marsh does it. What, what, are, your, what are your fatherly instincts like? Do you find yourself yelling at the, at, at the men in the middle? No, no, no. I'm a, I'm, I'm a quiet watcher, but I, I, I do start biting the nails, that's for sure. So, um, Have you still got the but, stress uh, ball? Yeah, you want to do that. No, no, no. The stress ball goes. It's now the, now the fingernails. <laughs> Interesting. Well, good luck, uh, and, and I wish your fingernails all the best as well, AB. Uh, thanks very much for joining the Splash. Pleasure, guys. There he was, Alan Border, Australian cricketing icon and legend, of course, uh, down in Melbourne watching his son uh, play for a Singaporean 11. How about that? Uh, <laughs> it's pretty random. It's, it's good, though. Hey, Jacob, just uh, sticking with the... South African Test Series coming up. Um, as I mentioned, Faf Duplessis, Dale Stane, AB de Villiers also under injury clouds. It looks like de Villiers will be right to go. Can you just elaborate briefly on these injury situations? Yeah, of course. Um, so AB de Villiers and Faf Duplessis have both got bruised right index fingers. Um, de Villiers actually suffered his during the India Test Series trying to take a catch off Virat Kohli. So he missed the first few one-dayers, and then Faf Duplessis also trying to catch Virat Kohli in a one-dayer, injured his, his index finger. That's um, meant to be a bit worse, so he's, he's got an ETA of three to six weeks, okay. so he'll be a bit touch and go. Um, de Villiers is meant to be back this week, so un- unless something goes wrong, he should be there for the test series. Quinton de Kock, um, he got hit in the, last, in the, in the, in the second one-dayer just a couple of nights ago. He's got a bruised wrist. Um, he's been given two to four weeks as as a recovery time, it may not be the worst thing for the cock. He's been playing pretty terribly with the bat since okay. India India arrived. So a little bit of time away could do him a world of good. Um, Dale Stain's the one who looks you know real like real touch and go. He he um playing his first test in about a year. He 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 injured his his left heel. Um, a bit of a, a weird injury. Um, and was ruled out for four to six weeks. 
Um, yeah, right. Even even once he returns, it'll be a question of whether or not he's match fit since he's played so little cricket of yeah. late, and he's he's broken down in his last two tests. He he broke the shoulder down here, and then he and then he did the heel this test. Whether they want to risk, you know, playing him straight away is is a big question. And obviously they've got they've just got you know so much depth in their in their pace attack as well. So they could they may even be you know, better off with Adam for a little bit. Yeah, okay. The Test Series gets underway in just under a month and it looks like Australia are going to take minimal uh, risks uh, leading in. Uh, Tim Payne will be rested, I believe, for the first round of the Sheffield Shield, which kicks off this Thursday. Uh, that's correct. So, you know, Steve Smith as, as captain's been rested and the Australian Quicks, you know, probably probably, probably a well-earned rest. Um, Tim Payne's an interesting one. Um you know, he played he played all five tests and he did play the full one days, but he he seems quite fresh to me. Um, and he he said he was he was pretty keen to play for Tasmania this round, but also understands, uh, you know, the need for a break before a big tour. But um, yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I think you know Steve, Steve Smith. Fair enough. He he's been captain. He's under a lot of stress. But with Tim Payne, um, you know, heading into a Red Bull tour of South Africa, I, I don't imagine you know a round of Sheffield Shield cricket would have hurt. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say he's sort of living the dream, isn't he? He doesn't even have to play any shield; just straight into the yeah. uh, into the Aussie. Yeah, the selectors brain. must be thinking, you know, it, it it worked picking him with, with not too much shield cricket before the Ashes. Let's just keep him away from uh, from four day cricket. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and there's a T20 on tomorrow night: Australia v England in Hobart. Uh, we finally won yes. <laughs> uh, something uh, in the short form of the game, of course, last match, and, and it's all eyes on uh, on Billy the Beanpole uh, <laughs> yeah. heading into this game as well. Yeah, he um he was very impressive in that um in that first twenty twenty against New Zealand bowling in the in the one fifties and sending stumps cartwheeling all over, all over the place. That three ball. wickets from his first eight deliveries yes. or something. In that uh, in that delivery to Martin Guptill. Yeah, that that's special in any format. Um, so yeah, England, England. David Milan's already said that they're talking about how they're gonna how they're gonna play him because he's such a unique, you know, prospect. He's over two meters tall and he and he runs in. He bowls 150 k's, gets it to move both ways, and um, yeah. So England will have their work cut out for them against Australia this match, which is a strange thing to say in 2020 cricket, to be honest, because Australia's been pretty rubbish at it for a while now. Um, but they looked very good in that on, on Sunday night. Yeah, across the ODI so, series, um, it was uh, a lot of the the talking uh, and the and, and the conversations were around the context and the relevance of those games. But I suppose when you when you're sitting down for these T20s, Australia's poor history in this format, and it leads into events and tournaments that we actually probably care more about these days. So it feels like there's no shortage of context heading into into these upcoming games. Uh, it's an interesting one. I think 2020 cricket at the international level um, still probably lacks that context. It's why, um, you know, it's really taken off at the domestic level because, you know, every match has context as yeah. a final. It's, yeah. it's in a, it's in a you know, eight-week block where you play every team and then, you know, there's a top four and a, and a decider at the end. Whereas with... This is a tri series, this 2020 series, which is a bit different. We've never seen one of these at yeah. the international level. We just want to see Australia win some games in this format against some good opposition, though, right? Yes, definitely. Um, I think the, the the draw is also, you know, seeing some new faces in the Australian team perform. Um, you know, these guys who've dominated the BBL and earned this call up. Um, but I, I still think 
both at the 2020 level and the one-day international level. There needs to be a bit more context. Well, uh, enjoy all the cricket coming up. There's, uh, it's been a long summer for, for you and the, <laughs> and the cricketing uh, team here at Fox Sports. Uh, so I thank you very much for your time on the Splash today, Jacob. Thanks for having me, Phil. Uh, and that'll do us on today's Splash. Uh, yeah, thank you to all our listeners and subscribers out there. You're amazing. Any questions, hit me up on uh, Twitter, Phil underscore Pryor. Uh, and until next time on the Splash, that's a wrap. <laughs>